For Truth with a Texas Twain, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is Luke 2.19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Our sponsor today is Noonday Exploration. Noonday helps families by purchasing oil and gas royalties from estates. For more information, call 903-530-9352 or go to noondayexploration.com. Now, I am so excited about the show today, and I have invited my dear friend, Pastor Stanley Kofer of Empowerment Church in Tyler, Texas, to be my guest, and we're going to be talking about racial unity. And normally, I do a long bio here because he has a really impressive credentials, but I'm going to skip it because I want to get to the heart and all the wisdom that he's going to share with us. So instead, what I want to tell you is we did a show, an episode called Racial Unity, The Desegregated Life. And in that show, Pastor Stanley just shared so much from his heart and about his background. And I also gave his bio. So you can go to that on toginet.com and look for that episode, Racial Unity, The Desegregated Life, and hear all about Stanley Cover's upbringing and how his parents influenced him to not let race stand in his way of what God wanted to accomplish in his life. And so now I'm going to just say hello, Pastor Stanley. Thank you and welcome back. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you're here, and I cannot wait to hear we started this conversation and I, I had to just pull in the rain so you wouldn't give it all away in that because I wanted to hear your life story in that last episode. But now we're going to be talking about the thing that you are doing so beautifully. It's how you and I first met bringing unity to a community that has been racially divided for over a hundred years. And so thank you for all that you are and all that you do for our community here in East Texas. Thank you. Um... Thank you. We are grateful, grateful to God. Well, it's amazing what you're doing. You have the Empowerment Church. You have the Empowerment Ministries, which is kind of an outreach branch. And then you have the um, Empowerment Development Corporation, Community Development Corporation, which is doing amazing things to provide all kinds of opportunities for this community to come together, talk about the racial just leftover, I mean, it's like leftover trash. We just need to clean it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So finally, we're getting some light on that sort of moldy past that we need to deal with. So talk to me a little bit about what motivates you and what you, well, first of all, what do you see as the most excruciating thing that we still need to deal with in our community? Uh, well, the uh, I had the opportunity this past just this Monday at the uh, Reformation House of Prayer, they invited me to uh, 
uh, speak and preach on racial on the racial lines and uh, through the Holy Spirit, I really laid the hammer down on both sides. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the the scripture tells us to make every effort uh, for unity in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And what I don't see is I don't see pastors running over each other to make this happen. It's not a mm-hmm. it's not a top priority. Right. And that bothers me because when you look at it. Uh, uh, if it wasn't for the government stepping in mm-hmm. uh, in the secular, there, there never would have been a change or a mm-hmm. shift. Mm-hmm. And so the government didn't, mess, didn't bother the church. And yet right. the church in, in America still looks like, look like the 50s and the 60s. Right. Uh, the, the church in America is, is still segregated. And uh, uh, I believe, as Martin Luther King said, you know, uh, it may have been somebody after him to say the most segregated hours still mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. And that, to me, is a shame mm-hmm. that that we are still living in the four in the in the four walls mm-hmm. as quote Christians segregated. And <laughs> less than ten percent of our churches in in America. Is in- integrated, and that needs to be changed. You know, it's interesting because I know pastors, some of my good friends here in East Texas have tried, and they can't get people to go to different churches. And I didn't really understand that. I felt shame about that as a person with a, you know, I call myself pigment challenged. As a white person, I just didn't understand that very well. And then the Lord kept nudging me to visit at my church, Galilee Baptist Church. And and I would drive by the church and think to myself, well, Lord, you know, I'd pray to the Lord, Lord, um, they don't want me there. I, I'm pigment challenged. I'm a white person. That's a African-American church. Why would I visit there? And so even my own mental, even in my prayer life before the Lord, I was honest with him. But my goodness, what a handicap I had in my thinking. So finally, one of my friends invited me. And because she invited me, I visited. And then I just fell in love with the church. But I, I hesitated to join because... I told, like my pastor told me immediately, Kathy, Sister Kathy, you could join our church. (laughs) And I said, well, pastor, if I join, the church will change. And I really love it the way it is. And so, but after about a year, uh, Dave and I are now members of this historically African-American church. And one of the things I learned is the African-American church is so beautiful in the traditions and the unity among it's people in the individual congregations that we sister with that I can see why there is a need for us to, to desegregate just because the Caucasian church is missing some of that. It's a whole different mindset and perspective. And we need, we need that mindset throughout the body of Christ, not just within those four walls of those historically African-American churches. So for me, it's re- it's met a real need in my life, the prayer life of my church and, and the unity and the loving, tender kindness, you know. So I, I can't explain that, but I do think you're right when you say it is a very segregated day of the week. Sunday is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you are one of the exceptions. Uh, in America, you will find uh, African-Americans, Hispanics, 
they are more out to become part of a, I would say, a white lead where the pastor is white mm-hmm. than the other way around. Uh, you very yeah. seldom find uh, Caucasian people part of a, a black lead church. And, um, and so my deal is I understand, I understand the preference in music style. I understand those things. I, I wouldn't want to go to a, uh, African American church that, uh, all we done was sing, shout, and clap all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I wouldn't like to go to a church where sudden, sudden gospel music played all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a balance. But, um, but you'll see the African Americans will, um, uh, adjust to, to that. And that's why when you find African-Americans going to a, a white-led church, they mm-hmm. get branded and tagged with different, all y'all out there with the white folk and stuff like that. Right. But uh, every now and then, we should make effort uh, outside of Sunday morning to come together. I, I don't see much of that happening. I understand, okay, you got your preference in music, you have your preference in preaching style, but can we have a family reunion every now and then? And that's what we uh, we are trying to do with our Praise Fest. Praise Fest is uh, in, in April. Uh, this I love our that. Fourth, yeah. fourth year. And yeah. we purposely um, have different styles of music, different rates. Mm-hmm. So it will attract the body of Christ. It's, and, it's and purposely you do it, done for the body of Christ. And you do it on the square outside the church walls. Yes, ma'am. The, no buildings. It's the church, but there's no church building, you know, quotes. So I, exactly. I really, I love that. I mean, that's the kind of projects that you've taken on, and you've taken such a key leadership role in those. And I'm so grateful in this community for that kind of leadership. You know, leadership is an issue in churches. And I tell people in both kinds of congregations, if it's an all-white congregation or African-American congregation, I always tell people, if you want to see your church desegregated, you're going to have to have leadership from all walks of life up here. It can't just be one or the other. Exactly. Because who wants, who can relate to that? I mean, people need to feel like they have a voice and they will be heard. They want, I think people want to hear other perspectives if you give them half a chance, but they need to know that their own voice will be heard. Yeah, that, that's very important. And uh, we were uh, blessed to be part of a church, which I still consider my home church, a new life worship center. And, uh, the pastor there, uh, Rudy Bunn. And I brag on Pastor Bunn because he stood before the congregation and, and said that it wouldn't be, uh, no carrying on of, you know, races uh, above another race mm-hmm. or what have you. Mm-hmm. But he put his, uh, he just didn't talk, but he put into action. And he, uh, he placed blacks in leadership position. And that's something I just haven't seen and hadn't seen in Tyler where he mm-hmm. put, uh, blacks as, uh, elders, uh, as, uh, deacons, mm-hmm. as, uh, I was on the executive council. I was an elder. Um, I had the opportunity to, to preach 
and uh, and just recently the assistant, the executive pastor was an African uh, uh, mm. African from overseas. Pa- and pastor- so it has to be it has to be uh, more than just talk. It has to be action. Pastor, they're going to run those promos right over our conversation. I, I want to just tell you amen to you, and, and th- I wish we had more pastors like Pastor Bunn that you're describing. So as we go to the break, I, I want to come back to this, and I want to talk about how youthful your own congregation is. Don't let me forget that. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio, so stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door and the next house over is a grocery store. here with Mary Ottman and I asked her to tell you about Water to Thrive. Water to Thrive builds wells and changes lives for people living in rural villages in Africa. Waterborne illnesses have killed more people than all of the armed conflicts combined since World War II. In fact, 5,000 children under the age of five die each day from waterborne diseases. Since 2008, Water to Thrive has built 750 wells, benefiting 400,000 people. You can make a difference by donating at www.watertothrive.org. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu? Whenever. It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Welcome back, and we're at Fireside Talk Radio with my friend, Pastor Stanley Kofer. And Stanley Kofer is just such a great example of how one man can lead his family, and then his family can begin to influence whole communities. And and so here in East Texas, we are seeing the impact of just 
the beauty, beautiful way his family is reconciling people to each other. And since I've got him on the line and got him on record, I'm going to ask you a tough question, Brother Stanley. You managed to attract, you managed to do something a lot of pastors wish they could do and can't figure out how. There's a lot of discussion in the church right now. We're losing the young people. But when I come to your events, there are people from all walks of life, and a lot of them are young, and they're not just African-Americans. They're everybody, like Hispanic, Caucasian, African-American, Asian, whatever people's ethnic backgrounds are, you're getting those young people to show up. So tell me your secret. Uh, we have to become relevant. Uh, rap music is, um, is the norm for today, and so, you know, you have to allow... Uh, kids to express themselves in, in the music that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just a, just being flexible to relate. You know, one of the one of the things we done that was just to, so out of the box that I just knew it was gonna I was gonna be crucified. <laughs> behind it. You know, we had a uh, Christian nightclub, and all right. Uh, so. <laughs> That was purely uh, orthodox and just purely out there, you know. Especially and, in East uh, Texas. Yes, and so, but it was a it was a great tool that mm-hmm. uh, that drew all colors because music is universal. Music mm-hmm. attracts all, and unfortunately, we have in our world today. If you take some of the rap stars in the secular world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh like Lil Wayne, you know, he's mm-hmm. attracting a lot of white suburban kids listen to the garbage that he, he spills out. And they are number one fans, buyers of his CDs or what have mm-hmm. you, his mm-hmm. music. And mm-hmm. so the church has to be, uh, I, I, unfortunately, I think we are a couple of steps behind. We need to be leading the way. We need to be at the forefront. And a lot of churches have don't want rap music. They don't want praise dancing. They don't want certain things. And so, therefore, it doesn't attract young people to want to come to it. Well, I love praise dancing. I can hardly... I, I mean, we have a praise dancer at our church, and every time she performs, I'm just crying. I mean, tears are just streaming down my eyes. I, I see God's spirit moving in in every way that she expresses her faith in a dance and it's it's just the most beautiful thing i've ever seen i think and so i i definitely am a big fan of praise dancing myself although i could never do it <laughs> unless i was alone but i could do it alone by myself in front of the lord but nobody else would want to watch <laughs> yeah well, okay, you've done so much for this community in the last five or so years that I've known you, and um, you let me speak to your congregation one week, and that that was so dear to me. I, I will never forget how grateful I was that you trusted me with the flock of, that you were leading at that point. So, But God has really broadened your ministry now, and so you're having this impact on the whole community. What advice would you give? Like, what do you see us doing different? Or here's a question. If you could just download some information you want all the white people to know, what would be most helpful? Like, what would you want us to know? Like, if you could tell me something, and all your friends that are both African-American and white and young, like the young people really get frustrated with us for being so segregated, I think. If you could, 
like, what could you say that with everybody in the background behind you in your life would be clapping going, it's about time somebody said that in public? I, I would just like to challenge uh, um, my white brothers and sisters to go and uh, visit, go visit an African-American church, just get out of the box um, and go visit. And because uh, right now, you know, there's still a lot of distrust. And also I would like to uh, let my uh, white uh, friends to know and let them know on a personal basis that I don't want you to feel guilty what happened in slavery. I mean, that's, that's over with. And unfortunately, in the black community, we have leaders who's trying to drag us back to the 50s and 60s. I'm like, I'm not going back there. Because, right. you know, and when the song is sung, we shall overcome among the black people. You know, I'm mm -hmm. like, no, we not overcome. I have overcame. <laughs> and so a lot of people can't relate with it. They say, how can you say that? Because God has brought us as black people such a, for a, a long way. And I try to paint a picture of positive uh, because the media doesn't uh, paint too many pictures of positive mm -hmm. black people. And there's so much success among African-Americans that mm -hmm. a lot of African-Americans don't even have a clue about it. But I try to bring to light and say, look, look over here. This is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm not into dragging all the statues down and all of that. I'm like, okay, let's be proactive. Let us put up statues, statues of uh, uh, successful black people instead of tearing history down. Let's let's continue history. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my counter at the uh, to counter at. And so my perspective that the Lord has given me is uh, I know God has given me a platform. He had told me years ago mm -hmm. that he was going to be using me to do this, mm -hmm. and it's happening. And with the, the different things we're doing in the city, it's bringing the city together. And I just so envision the black, white, Hispanic, uh, the, the rich, the poor, the Republicans, and the Democrats going to come. We're going to bring them together to do projects together. I love that, and I, I see it happening. I believe you are the man God has chosen to implement this, and I know you can't do it by yourself. So there are a lot of men and women that are uh, definitely behind this movement that is happening here. I think there's a bunch of us that have waited long enough, and we're tired of waiting. And so yeah. whatever it takes, we just want it to happen now. And I, But I do think the unity and getting past the racial issues are so cru crucial. I love... I love what you're saying. I just want to, like, if you were preaching this, I'd be in the congregation going, amen, brother, preach it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I want my listeners, our listeners to know that you really live this. It's not just what you're saying. I mean, you and your wife show up for stuff. And I, I love the fact that you said you want your white friends to know they don't have to feel guilty about slavery, especially coming from you. I think that's so powerful because you're probably one of the most free people I know. It's rare to find a friend that will talk so openly with me as you always have. So not only do you say that, but you live it. I mean, you're so free. Yes, ma'am. It's because Jesus has made me free. And I choose to walk in his, according to his word. And, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying, uh, this journey that the Lord has us on. It's just exciting every day 
you wake up, you're just looking for something new, something exciting to happen. And yeah. uh, I've told my black uh, friends and Africa, I said, we need to quit living in the shallows. Come out. You yeah. know, we we attend events, uh, secular events yeah. and interest events where we the only blacks there. Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, we got to come out of the shallows. It's no, we're not in the 50s and 60s no more. Right. I mean, are we going to live out the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King? Or yeah. are we going to uh, uh, not bring it into uh, materialize? And so I'm just enjoying this ride, Captain. And I thank God for people like you mm. who are, you know, open to God's truth to bring you to the point that you are in in life and so I, I just thank god for you and other people oh. other friends that i have that i think with us we can we gonna make that difference and we going to make uh do what god told us to do to make things happen i love that so now having talked about all these things and 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 having said what you would to encourage the friends that you have that happen to be white to not be ashamed. I think that goes back to your story that you told on the other episode. Sometimes it's our insecurities that make us act and behave so foolishly. When I meet people and I, I meet people on both sides of the color pigment spectrum, you know, that are racist and they either are, you know, they're for me. Like they assume that I'm going to be really sympathetic to their rude comments about African-Americans or they assume I'm going to be racist, which neither is true for me. So I meet people that have those assumptions, but I always remember that their insecurity is what I hear speaking. It's not their faith. It's not freedom. They've bound themselves to something that's false. And so that allows me to have a little more compassion for people when they say things that I think or make assumptions about me that I just know are false. So, well, this has just been a great episode, and I'm so grateful for all your wisdom, Brother Stanley. Is there anything you want to say before I wrap this up? I'd just like to say I don't believe in white privilege. I believe in Jesus' privilege. (laughs) I've been privileged by Jesus, and I hate to hear that terminology of white privilege because pastoring a a congregation, a mixed culture, I've come to this conclusion. There's a God who loves us all, and there's a devil who hates us all. Uh-huh. And I've seen the devil destroy white, black, Hispanic, all kinds of races' lives. But I also have seen a God who have restored all colors of mm. races' lives. So God has no respect to person, and the devil has no respect to person. Mm. And so there were there are some white people who would love to be in my shoes. So mm. uh been married for 28 years and uh, mm. having a good life. My wife and I mm. uh, have decent jobs, good jobs. And, and so I look at it, I'm privileged by Jesus, you know, and uh, Amen, he is the one that have given me a lasting marriage, given me a good family. Mm-hmm. And so I believe in Jesus' privilege. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell your your uh, .com one more time. If you want to hear more from this lovely friend, Pastor Stanley Kofer, go to empowermentministries.com. And thank you for joining us at Camp Crafty Fireside Talk Radio. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here.
Today, where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh.